welcome to today's episode of The Digital Flash. I'm Rob Farrell, your host. Now, since it's the season to be jolly, I thought we could talk about some of the best Christmas campaigns that are out at the moment in 2016. But rather than me telling you all about it, we have our guest on the line and it's Sean Early who's going to tell us all about it. Hi Sean, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. Sean, you're the Digital Creative Director at Newslang, and you've worked with us at the Institute, helping us to create a number of our different modules. So it's really great to have you on board. Hi, how's it going, everybody? Um, so as Rob quite rightly said, I'm Digital Creative Director in Newslang, which is an agency part of PSG Communications. And um, we're kind of Ireland's leading communications group, largely. Um, what my background is, is putting together uh, digital marketing and social media campaigns for a whole host of clients, everyone from Lidl to Unilever, and winning awards for them sometimes as well, which is always great fun. Um, outside of that, I've obviously worked with, as Rob mentioned, the Digital Marketing Institute and in putting together their professional diploma in digital selling and also their professional diploma in social media uh, marketing. So, yeah, I, I've kind of had a, a wide experience across, I suppose, the educational uh, factor of, of social media and then the practicalities of actually putting together really fun, exciting campaigns. Now, the Christmas campaigns are in full swing, Sean. Perhaps you can give us a couple of examples. So I, I think it's, you know, we're, we're still only November, the end of November, early December kind of time frame. So we're going to see a large kick into really big, I suppose, uh, uh, integration into the social and digital aspect of campaigns. What we've seen so far are the what we kind of call the sizzle reel. So you're really exciting and TV spots that, you know, people wait all year long for. Um, really interesting one that came out today, um, which I'm a personal huge fan of. Um, is Wes Anderson and Adrian Brody put out the H&M Christmas uh, TV spot. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's in very much in the style of the Grand Budapest Hotel. <clears throat> it tells a really charming Christmas tale that's situated on a train. So um, there's, there's the aspect of using kind of um, Wes Anderson's very stylistic colours and settings and Adrian Brody's obviously his celebrity endorsement of the brand and the, the two make a, I suppose, a real powerhouse in terms of kind of uh, creativity. It's a really lovely Christmas spot. What we haven't seen as of yet is the digital and social amplification of that Christmas spot because largely these retailers get their, their TV ad out there immediately and you're able to kind of tie in um, afterwards with, with really nice, I suppose, uh, digital assets. Something that the retailer, John Lewis, um, who I'm sure <clears throat> most kind of viewers of this podcast or listeners of this podcast would be very familiar with in terms of their Christmas ads. The media actually get really excited about when John Lewis is about to release a Christmas campaign and they actually start teasing it with articles that show the countdown to the Christmas uh, John Lewis ad. Previous years you would have seen the likes of Monty the Penguin um, and also the Bear and the Hare. What John Lewis do exceptionally well is they integrate a digital um, selling aspect to what it is that they are kind of pushing in their ads. So, for example, the bear and the hare. So that's a, an ad, animated ad, where essentially a bear goes and hibernates uh, for Christmas and wakes up um, just as Christmas uh, comes along. It's narrated with a beautiful song from Lily Allen, where she covers Keen's um, "Places Only We Know." And essentially what they were able to do really nicely um, with that particular campaign was they were able to craft kind of soft, cuddly toys that you could then buy in a John Lewis retailer and you could also buy the track on iTunes. So that's a previous example. This year's John Lewis ad is Buster the Boxer. Um, the ad centers around a father at the very start who's building a trampoline for his young daughter as the Christmas present and that she will wake up to on Christmas morning. 
what we see is a kind of a lives of others. It's very David Attenborough, Planet Earth style, where uh, during the middle of the night, <clears throat> when this trampoline is set up, all sorts of woodland creatures go for a bounce on the trampoline. But what we see is poor old Buster the Boxer, who's locked indoors, witnessing all of the crack all of the farmyard animals are having on the trampoline. Buster is dying to get outside and experience this trampoline. And we see the young girl who the trampoline is intended for kind of tear open the door on Christmas morning, run outside the trampoline. However, she's beaten by Buster the Boxer, who is this really lovable, cuddly boxer dog who goes for a serious, um, a seriously fun-looking jaunt on the trampoline itself, bouncing up and down, having the time of his life. John Lewis have further extended this and further amplified it. They um, were the first brand to purchase uh, stickers on Twitter. So uh, stickers are a format that overlay onto static images and what you could do is you could busterfy yourself. So in the same way that uh, Snapchat would have stickers that you can overlay onto images that you put on the, that particular platform, um, with this uh, execution, you could put a, a boxer's uh, nose on your face or you could put the, the fox's ears on your head and you could do all lo- lots of fun stuff using Twitter stickers. They've then built, um, as part of an in-store theatre experience, capitalising on another digital marketing trend, is a virtual reality experience that centers around Buster the Boxer. So you can choose from two different um, options in the John Lewis Oxford Street store where you can stick on a virtual reality like an Oculus Rift uh, headset and you can experience the jumping on the trampoline of Buster the Boxer or indeed of one of the kind of the woodland creatures who also has a go on the trampoline too. So again, you're having that experience of your big bang with your TV ad, a really nice piece of social integration, and then some kind of digital theatre that drives people in store. So you've kind of got a number of kind of nice little marketing um, stunts that are going on there as well. Um, outside of the more premium uh, kind of high-end retailers, we're seeing the likes of uh, this year, Tesco have come out with a campaign, which is to the hosts. And um, that campaign is all about kind of what is staged to UGC, um, where we're having video interviews with a girl who's telling us all about her auntie and that she cooks the turkey every year. Um, it's it's okay. Um, I, I don't think it's the necessarily the, the strongest Christmas TV spot from one of the kind of retailers that I've seen. Um, what I think was quite interesting was the different routes that both Lidl and Aldi went down this year. Um, Aldi kind of picking up on the characterization of a single um, item. They, they launched a campaign around Kevin the Carrot, who is a three-inch carrot who goes on a quest across the Christmas uh, dinner table to try and make it up onto Santa's dinner plate at the end. Um, Lidl went down the route more so of talking on the emotional heartstrings. Um, this aspect of the campaign, I suppose, is quite important when you tie into you know the overriding sentiment of Christmas. It is very much a time for nostalgia, a time for family. And with Lidl's campaign, they looked at a, a family who basically went to an old rundown house they tore off the shutters, they redid the house up and they kind of decorated it for Christmas. And only at the very end of the ad do you realise, actually, this was the old family home. They've brought the old father back to the family home. It's quite, there's a, you know, they've taken out of him out of the nursing home and they've made it. They've basically gone back in time and had a throwback Christmas with granddad. Again, really lovely. Um, and there will be a kind of a digital campaign uh, around social to support that as well. 
So there's some there's some really uh, interesting things that are being done by the big retailers. Um, there's no lack of money when it comes to Christmas. Um, there was a, a great um, piece of research that was done um, by the um, Retail Ireland, who basically said that Christmas accounts for €4 billion Euro worth of sales for Irish retailers. And that was back in 2015. Now, the slight skew on that is with an on, the rise of online shopping, um, 13.5% of it, I suppose, is is now taken um, by online. Uh, that was a, a piece of research done by A.T. Kearney. Um, looking to, I suppose, the, the, the brands who are more centric around trying to drive the online sales and the online purchase, you see them investing in, in large-scale, um, almost what we call kind of brand films as opposed to TV spots. Um, Burberry in particular this year, I don't know if you've seen that particular uh, TV ad, um, they use Donald Gleeson. Um, in, in in their tale of a Thomas Burberry, which again, you know, you look at the the Lidl uh, aspect of nostalgia. They've gone even further back. They've gone back to like World War One time frame, and um, they've gone back to kind of this uh, exploration. You know how the the product was actually formed, and you know being very uh, I suppose dramatic, and you know you you feel like you're watching uh, a snippet from Pearl Harbor. You know very much it's that kind of um that era and you know that the usage of the actual material um in terms of kind of expeditions um is really what they kind of centered around with Burberry this year very similar to what Sainsbury have done in previous years where they had that um the armistice where the two sides in World War One both stop fighting to share a bar of chocolate and they kick around with the football again you're tying back into that nostalgia aspect as well which is very popular at this time of year. So all in all, there's there's a whole host of really exciting things happening in, in advertising this year in Christmas. I would personally say that I don't necessarily think that John Lewis has been as strong this year as it has been in previous years um, with their TV spot. But what I'm, what I'm really excited to see is that you know, you, you look at local um, local ad campaigns for the likes of the likes of your Lidl's, you know, who, who are putting in additional effort into what they're doing at a local level and not just rolling out an international asset. And people who are really kind of, I suppose, investing in uh, creation of, of Christmas campaigns and seeing the value of that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what, what we've seen so far. So one of my absolute favorite um, digital campaigns of all time around Christmas uh, which didn't garner, you know, uh, or didn't warrant a huge above-the-line spend. It was just quite clever and quite tactical. Um, it was a campaign by the kind of luxury uh, clothes retailer, uh, clothes brand, Ted Baker. They created a campaign on Instagram called Ted's Elfie, um, which was a combination of Ted's and Elfie, but kind of flowed into selfie. This was a full Instagram takeover campaign uh, created using these lovely illustrations of these elves who were running amok in Santa's workshop. And um, what we had was a kind of a, a three by four Instagram tile layout where there was this whole winter wonderland created. What you could do is in each of these tiles, you could further delve through the narrative. And this is a very complex narrative the guys in Ted Baker put together. But you went into the first tile and it was go up the wintry slope or go into Santa's cabin. And then once you're in Santa's cabin, you know, go, go into the bedroom and have a look behind the, the curtain rail or go into the kitchen and open up the fridge. But it gave you this... It was really lovely, these kind of layers of narrative using Instagram tagged accounts and every account that was tagged only had one image. So it was giving you, uh, I don't know if you ever read those books when you were a kid, the kind of choose your own adventure books, flick to page 35. And that's exactly what you did using Instagram. At the very end of each of these, um, I suppose, these rabbits holes of a narrative, 
um, there was either a prize or there was a dead end. And if you found a prize, you kind of tagged a mate or you put your email address in and basically you were able to win something off the brand. And if you found a dead end, then you were kind of back to the start again. They used a high quality um, illustrator or painter for these particular um, assets. And there was a number of them, I would say there was at least 50 to 60 assets created for this campaign. Um, they also animated, which was one of the first times I'd seen um, promoted video um, used on Instagram as well. And they were able to kind of join it up to all of their other social media channels. So they were pushing messages about Ted Selfie through their direct marketing, through email, through Facebook display, through Twitter and targeted ads as well, and through promoted Instagram posts. So there was a great multimedia feel to the campaign that they didn't necessarily have to spend millions on going above the line. There's a brilliant case study, an agency in London called Pope. Um, other really clever ways in which brands have used social and digital around um, the Christmas time frame as well was last year, um, Marks and Spencers had a TV Christmas ad called Magic and Sparkle. Um, what we saw on social media was, uh, and sorry, just to, to, to give it, I suppose, more context, Magic and Sparkle were two fairies who flew around London um, in the wintry, snowy nights performing random acts of kindness. Um, what we saw on social media was a Twitter account for Magic and a Twitter account for Sparkle, where they dropped in on conversations that consumers were having on Twitter to give them little nice prizes. So, for example, um, oh dear, I've just dropped my ice cream cone, sad face. Well, Magic came in and gave you a voucher to go to your local Marks and Spencers where you could pick up an additional block of ice cream. So really clever ways in which they were kind of um, using social listening but also they were kind of um, having something to offer consumers as well to kind of make brighten up their days and add that kind of magic to what was happening. These were actually, interestingly enough, these were seeded out before the TV campaign. So when the TV campaign went live, there was context and people actually understood what they were for. So again, kind of having that phasing where you, you maybe have your big moment TV campaign happening at a different time to your social and one lends itself to the other to provide longevity for the, the individual Christmas marketing campaign. So is that a common framework for having a great Christmas campaign by starting off with the sizzle, following up on social media and building on from there? Well, this is it. And I think it's about extending the longevity. Look, buying TV spots and buying TV placement around the Christmas period is a very expensive endeavor for any brand. So where you can really drive the best return on investment or drive a sustainable approach is by having a very elongated social media campaign. You'll see brands doing the 12 days of Christmas now and the 24 days of Christmas or an advent calendar on social. But that, that actually allows you to further drag out that, that reach or that creation for that campaign where you're not having to invest in very expensive TV advertising. So yeah, I, that, that would be a usual format as you have that big bang and then you can have the follow on afterwards. So for a successful Christmas campaign, is there a tried and tested formula for success? I mean, you mentioned the sizzle, you mentioned social media, and then you mentioned the importance of having an emotive campaign to wrap it all together. So is there a formula that just works? Yeah, so I've kind of I've I've had a look at the, the, there's certain campaigns that follow their own formula. So John Lewis in particular, um, as, as we touched on previously, they just actually won an IPA award in London, and um, which is the Advertising Effectiveness Awards, um, for the the agency Adam and Eve TDB in London won for that. What the John Lewis ads, the way I've been able to distill it down is John Lewis do some research and try and find somebody who has ne- has either never experienced Christmas or has experienced Christmas but is no longer allowed to experience Christmas. And then they find a way to bring it to them. So, for example, the man on the moon. 
he had experienced Christmas uh, previously, presumably when he lived back on Earth, but now he was on the moon. He had no way to experience Christmas. You look at the Buster the Boxer, he's he's locked indoors. He can't experience the joy of Christmas. You look at the bear and the hare. The bear has never experienced Christmas because he's been hibernating for the whole time. So they have a strategy in how they roll out their Christmas ads, which I find fascinating. But largely what we see, and, and you know, kind of speaking outside of the context of John Lewis, is a recipe that kind of involves three key ingredients for the perfect Christmas campaign. One is that you're telling a story, that you put aside your... Um, you know, your intent of trying to just sell, 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 and you try and tell an engaging narrative. People are very open and very receptive to hearing tales at Christmas. Um, So very much kind of having that narrative in mind. So whether it's, you know, as we touched on, the carrot who's running across the dinner table to try and get to Santa's place, or, you know, the old man who's been brought back to the family home. If there is a story to be told that captures the imagination, Christmas is the time to do it. The second one is making you reminiscent of Christmases gone by. And that is key. You know, when you look at um, even the way uh, Star Wars now are marketing their films, the, the, the way Star Wars structure their narrative is to make you reminiscent of Star Wars's gone by. We're seeing it with Christmas ads as well, where there are brands who don't necessarily have to do anything brand new to do this. So you look at Coca-Cola. Their entire approach for the Christmas advertising or Kellogg's is to just replay the same ad that they've had and that has become enshrined in public consciousness as evergreen and is the moment, you know yourself, when you see the, the Christmas uh, the Christmas truck, it's, you know it's Christmas when you see the, Christmas, the Coca-Cola Christmas truck. So having that aspect of reminiscing uh, and nostalgia for times gone by. And then lastly, you know, being kind of selfish about it, having a way in which the, the ad itself or the, the marketing communications link back to the product, but doing it in a subtle way. Now, I, I do think there are, um, there are examples of where brands can be too subtle. So, for example, we, we touched previously on the H&M um, ad with Wes Anderson that came out this week. That particular execution, I feel, is too subtle in that the, uh, there's nothing that really lends itself towards Wired H&M doing this brand film. Um, and I watched it three times before I, I kind of a colleague of mine actually said, you know that they're all wearing H&M clothes and that's the whole object. Uh, oh, right, okay. So, the, you know, it wasn't immediately obvious for me, unlike, say, um, the Man on the Moon. The Man on the Moon uh, TV spot immediately after the Man on the Moon John Lewis for selling telescopes. Similarly, this year, and um, with Buster the Boxer, immediately after Buster the Boxer, John Lewis is now selling trampolines. So there's an immediate tie, or there's an obvious tie, and it doesn't have to be brazen, you know, go buy this, and here's $9.99, and discounted rates, and Black Friday. And once it has a, a logical flow that it makes sense to go and invest, you know, we touched on the, the Tesco um, spot earlier on as well. For me, there's there's just not a strong enough link to the product. So you need something. There needs to be some payoff for the brand, but it doesn't need to be uh, blatant. Burberry is a great example where there's a great payoff of the brand because you're buying into this heritage and this nostalgia and this, um, you know, uh, material and cloth that was used by the Shackleton, you know, explorations. And, you know, there's a there's a there's a coolness You're, you're buying. You know, we often talk about people don't necessarily buy what you buy they buy sorry they don't buy what you sell they buy why you sell so you're getting you're hooking them into the the reason to believe behind the brand but there needs to be a kind of sprinkling or a you know at the core there needs to be some sort of a brand payback or a brand return now earlier on you mentioned about being subtle and not using the hard sales approach within the campaign so 
Perhaps is there any tips you can tell us on what we need to avoid or not do in order to have a good campaign? The reason I ask is I know that in recent years, Samsung has had a couple of its own Christmas campaigns where it focused on the product and not so much on the story and audiences didn't seem to really respond well to this. Look, I, I think some brands that makes sense for because maybe they're competing in a marketplace that is quite flooded um, with the emotive uh, kind of strategy. You know, you look at the likes of what iPhone do, it's very emotive driven. So actually, Samsung were providing a counterpoint by saying, actually, you want to buy a phone? Here's a phone. Here's the phone for you because this is the things that you like and this is the way it works and this is what price it is. Whereas Apple are, you know, we, we've done this for the first time ever. We believe that we've invented, you know, so th- there's there's different ways in which you can approach. It all depends on what your business objective is. I'm speaking... Um, subjectively because I have an opinion on what I believe to be good marketing and good because I, I exist within the world and the bubble of kind of carrying out those kinds of stunts. But at the same time, Mattress Mick, you know, pushes, um, I, I'm not sure if, if, if the, the people tuning into this podcast will, will be familiar with Mattress Mick, but Mattress Mick, you know, uh, is this local Irish businessman. He sells mattresses. His ads are very much, here's a mattress. It's a hundred quid. Do you want it? You need a good mattress. Here's a, you know, they're only, it's very functional. And functional advertising does serve a purpose for sure. Um, but I think in terms of getting a real cut through and in terms of achieving brand fame, the, the brand fame that's on offer around Christmas time, it is about kind of looking at more of an emotive, kind of more of a connection. And also, if you have the budget, a face behind it. You know, we touched very briefly on the use of Donald Gleeson there in the um, in the Christmas ad uh, for Burberry. They previously used Romeo Beckham as well. And um, so there is, you know, the, kind of that trying to, by associated cool and um, through these celebrity endorsements too so you know there's kind of a bit of an influencer outreach kind of out going on with their with their ad campaigns as well so what are your big tips to create a really really successful christmas marketing campaign i would actually funnily enough and i've only been thinking about it over the past kind of couple of weeks ever since buster the boxer came out I, I see a move towards a characterization and trying to um, find a relatable character for a Christmas spot. So, you, you know, we, we touched on Buster the Boxer, we touched on uh, Kevin the Carrot, we touched on, you know, um, Magic and Sparkle. I, I feel like people at that time of the year, you know, when you look at what people are consuming on the TV and, you know, when you look at what people are kind of engaging with, it is the likes of Elf, it's the likes of the snowman, it's, you know, people want a character to kind of relate to. And I feel as though uh, the, the, the kind of one key aspect that I would be looking at, you know, certainly even with the work that we've done uh, on our side with, with Unilever and their ice cream campaign and kind of the characterization of ice creams, I think having some sort of a character and actually you know give mattress makers due he has become a, a characterization of a of a mattress salesman so i think christmas is that time of year when characterization whether it be through social or through an advertising campaign that it works really well and it pays dividends so i'd look number one to have a really strong narrative and to invest in you know trying to tell a story whether it's the story of why you sell um, or the story of how your product came to be, looking to kind of pull out a key character or, you know, a relatable, um, I suppose, uh, instigator or, or, you know, um, a hero or a villain, as the case may be, in your particular ad campaign, and then having it fully integrated. So having it, I suppose, as we kind of touched on, your big bang, elongating it through using kind of social and digital uh, tie-ons as well, and then having a very clear 
uh, flow back to a product and store that isn't just you know buy this, buy that, and you know kind of having a I suppose a, a purpose for the ad spot and not just oh I want to do something quite emotive. Just going back to your point there about building up those characters that the audience can relate to, should we build up one character and keep them for several years? Or each year, should we create a new character for the audience to jump on and enjoy? I'm asking because this year I've seen the latest campaign from the telecommunications provider 3. It's a continuation of last year's campaign of the girl and her pet cloud. Last year's was live action. This year it's animation. It's kept the same characters, but a different style. What, what's your views on this? I think with the three mobile ad in particular, um, I think it's very important to to separate the the people from um, the cloud. The cloud is the character in those ads, and the cloud is what makes those ads. I don't necessarily think stylistically it needs to keep in the same like live action or animation, but I think what they've done is really nice in that they have made the cloud the character it's like the vodafone ad where the pig is the character and the guy you know there's there's that really nice where you you know and the character doesn't have to be a, a man woman or child you know it, it can be a you know like like the cloud i don't necessarily think it needs to be stylistically reinvented but i de- definitely think if you had like a, a hashtag um for a christmas campaign or if you had a, a returning kind of um I suppose, theme to kind of have that consistent. So, for example, um, Three Little Words, I, I think, was one that Three used previously. And having that continuation does make a lot of sense. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think it's a really nice uh, case study where they had, where actually the character is what you don't necessarily expect the character to be, um, which, it, which is, works quite well for them. So, Sean, let's think back to the 1980s before digital marketing was huge. Are there any really great classic Christmas campaigns that you can remember that we can learn from today? Kellogg's, I think, do a really good job of, of rehashing um, their, their Christmas ad. What I think there's a great opportunity to, to do with that, though, which I think they're kind of missing a trick. And sometimes it can be about being really, um, I suppose, uh, economic with budgets, being able to reuse the same asset again and again, does afford, I suppose, uh, budget to be spent on other times of the year. But I would love to see uh, a kind of a, you know, and obviously that's an old 80s ad, but like a progression of that. So like, where has that little child who's in the Christmas ads, where are they now? And are they celebrating Christmas with their child? And, you know, there could be a really nice narrative and kind of evolving that on. I don't necessarily think that just because something uh, something works and it's not a case of if it's, if it's not broken, why fix it? But I think there's more of a, well, actually, what's the next part of that story and how does that kind of, you know, uh, evolve rather than just kind of keeping it with that one fixed moment in time. Um, so I, I think definitely that would be something really nice to see. And what I'd love to see is, is more Irish retailers going down the characterization route because I think there's sometimes that... Um, worry or a, a nervousness about kind of committing to it like in the, the kind of the style of the john lewis where you know they had a you know uh, one of my favorite all-time ads was the the two snowmen and the, the one snowman um goes out and the pair of love is playing in the background and he's desperately trying to move and not melt and get himself to a john lewis so he can buy a scarf for his fellow snow woman who's standing next to him so like stuff like that where irish advertisers are pushing the boat out a little bit and being a little bit um i suppose uh adventurous and kind of building in those key aspects of characterization and really trying to do something a bit different um would be really nice because i think the nostalgia thing and the kind of the piece around um the piece around families and i, I think Dunn stores had an ad where um there was a man writing a letter home at christmas time it's just 
just a little bit stayed and just a little bit kind of obvious. Um, but I'd love to see a, a bit more progression, a bit more kind of excitement or innovation in that space. In that example, you mentioned the snowman. And unfortunately for him, it didn't seem to really work out too well. So it's kind of a little bit of maybe sorrow or worry or something. And it kind of reminds me of another campaign that I've seen recently. I think it's BA. No, no, it's Heathrow Airport. It's two bears going through the airport. They're absolutely lovely. They're so cute, these tiny bears. But when they get to the arrivals hall, just for a couple of seconds, there's no one to greet them. And as the audience, you feel so sad for them. You feel worried that their Christmas is now ruined. So do companies use this kind of slight bit of sorrow or worry within campaigns to really pull on the heartstrings of the audience? It's a really good example of that moment of kind of loneliness and that characterization. And it's, it's you know, tapping into that aspect again of somebody who potentially could not be experiencing the Christmas that they really deserve. So, yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really good example. Um, Aer Lingus are really good at that sort of and the airlines do it exceptionally well. Aer Lingus had the, the campaign last year where they were surprising people at Christmas time by, by having them flown in. Airports are hugely emotional places at Christmas time. Um, you'll often see brands kind of fighting it out to be present. I know Bank of Ireland had a Christmas carol choir um, next to the arrivals hall last December as well. So, yeah, I, I think the, the, the key aspects are at times of, of, of Christmas, you, you want to be as part of the conversation, not really intrude on it. So the likes of an airline, it makes an awful lot of sense. In that particular, I know they, they, I saw the execution there recently. It's a really, really nice one. Um, what I haven't seen is a huge amount of kind of follow up from that, so I'm kind of I'm quite anxious and keen to see what BA are going to do afterwards. Thank you, Sean. I think I pretty much have the formula for a great Christmas campaign now. Well, let's say that I, I won't um, I won't stand over that as tried and tested 100. percent But that's my theories anyway. I really appreciate it, Sean. Thank you so much. I think you really are right with your message that it's important to get those characters on and build them up within the campaign because it really makes just a standard campaign come to life. Yeah, and what's really interesting to see is the characters then take on lives of their own through social. So as you mentioned, Magic and Sparkle had their own Twitter accounts. Monty the Penguin previously had his own Twitter account. I think Buster the Boxer this year has his own Twitter account. So we're seeing that the the, the social aspect of it is being able to engage actually Marks and Spencer's Christmas ad this year, which is featuring Mrs. Claus. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that one, but essentially, um, Father Christmas goes out to go and deliver the presents, and Mrs. Claus discovers a letter that has been unreplied to. And they're kind of turning Christmas all on its head by showing Mrs. Claus is she doesn't just sit at home baking cookies. She gets out and she goes and finds the present, and she goes and delivers it to the little boy who um, who, who forgot to uh, to get the letter into Santa or the letter dropped out. So empowering kind of. Uh, Mrs. Claus and kind of uh, females across the world and showing that, you know, it's not just a, a masculine aspect around Christmas in, in terms of Santa. Um, what they created was a Twitter takeover where the Marks and Spencer's account was curated by Mrs. Claus for a day. Um, my wife in particular sent a tweet to Mrs. Claus and she was very excited when Mrs. Claus wrote back. So stuff like that where they're trying to, um, you know, again, just break from convention and break from the norm. Fantastic, Sean. Thank you very much. Thanks a million, Rob. Cheers. Sean, if the audience wants to learn more about you and your work, where can they go? It's newslang.ie. Thank you all for listening. To find out more about Sean and his work, visit Newslang. To find out more about digital marketing, why not visit our blog on digitalmarketinginstitute.com. 
don't forget to like us on Facebook and tell us what you think of the podcast by engaging with us on Twitter at DMI Group. Until next time, I'm your host, Rob Farrell, and this has been The Digital Flash.